Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Welcome back, everybody. We're back in the book of Second Chronicles. We finished First Chronicles yesterday, and now we're starting a new journey. We're looking at the history of the nation Israel again through God's perspective. We saw the history of the nation of Israel through man's perspective in First and Second Kings, and now we're looking at the history of the nation Israel through God's perspective. So we're finding out what God sees as important and i think it's just so insightful these books of chronicles because it lets us know what god really thinks of of importance he didn't even in first chronicles he didn't even mention uh david and Bathsheba. you know he didn't even mention that what he did mention was david wanting to count the numbers of people he wanted to take a census of his armies because he wasn't depending on god he was wanting to depend on his own armies and i just think that's so insightful you know it's it's um it just shows you know for as great a man as david was he had um lack of faith or perhaps it was pride in his own big armies or his own uh you know when enemies were um around israel he was sort of getting nervous he was trying to depend on his own assets and from god's perspective that was a bigger sin you know he said you know and it said that satan prompted david to do that you know and it resulted in uh the death of thousands and thousands of people in punishment and so you know from god's perspective that lack of faith that lack of trusting god in times of trouble was a bigger sin for David. So you get a sense of God's uh, perspective. And I just think it just, it it humbles me because, you know, how many times for me the, does my faith lack, you know, in difficult circumstances or am I worried about little things or little prideful things? And I think that that shows how highly God um, values our trusting Him. And the whole nation Israel, you know, falls apart over that, over lack of faith, over lack of trusting God, over trusting what man can come up with. Man wants judges, and man wants kings, and man wants, you know, this, that, and the other, or laws that they could follow. 
and they fail all the time. Only God can bring peace on earth. Only God is the true judge. Only God can save us when we are in trouble. McGee made a point that you can't get to heaven. None of us can unless you have a Savior. You know, you can have a lot of, you know, different things, but unless you have a Savior, somebody who saves you, that's the only way you get to heaven. And isn't that true? So we're, with that in mind, we're going to humbly start the book of Second Chronicles. And as the first book of First Chronicles was mainly about David, it looks like Second Chronicles is going to start with Solomon. And of course, it might, you know, uh, we might see different uh, kings after after Solomon, you know. So we're gonna have, we're gonna see some some of uh, the kings that are coming after David now. So chapter one, <coughs> we'll start with verse one. Solomon, the son of David, established himself in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. So look at the the mercy uh, of of the Lord here, and look at what the Lord does. It's God making Solomon great, not Solomon, because he was with him. And uh, he, so in other words, Solomon really reaps the value of what David had established. Okay, so um, Solomon, um, verse 2, spoke to all Israel, to the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges and to all the leaders in all Israel and the heads of his of fathers' houses. So he speaks to the whole nation. Verse 3, And Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was at Gibeon for the tent of the meeting of the of God, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness, was there. But David had brought up the ark of God from Kirith-Jerim to the place that David had prepared for it, uh, for he pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. So, McGee makes the point here that God, that excuse me, that Solomon goes to God and approaches God at the altar. Moreover, the bronze altar that um, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur had made, and apparently uh, Bezalel was a master craftsman. And, um, and Solomon and the assembly sought it out. And uh, I wonder if there's some words in our language today uh, that sort of take that Bezalel um, uh, name and sort of have used it even to this day. I, I, I kind of think, you know, I've seen bezeling or uh, I don't know if this is real or not. Maybe you guys, if you hear it, you might want to let me know. But but I know that uh, their beveled edges, you know, are very highly crafted edges. But I wonder if that is sort of a... Um, Something that has lasted to today. I don't know. And Solomon and the assembly sought it out. And again, McGee makes the point that to get to God, you have to seek him out. And that's sort of what metaphorically Solomon is doing. He is seeking out God. He's seeking the altar. Verse 6, And Solomon went 
up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was in the tent of meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Isn't it interesting that there's so much abundance already in Solomon's kingdom that the first thing he does is offer a thousand burnt offerings there. This is really the the apex of Israel's uh, might and glory. And it's sort of another metaphor that God is fulfilling that promise to Abraham to making his people exceedingly great. So uh, verse 7, in uh, that night, so Solomon has approached God, has sought out God. So now God is seeking Solomon. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and and uh, said to him, so apparently, my study Bible says, there are references in other, um, other uh, texts here, like in 1 Kings, it's God approaching Solomon in a dream. He didn't like come by his place in the night and wake him up. So apparently, it was in a dream. God appeared to Solomon and said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said to God, you have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king in his place. O oh Lord, uh, let your word to David my father now be fulfilled for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Again, this is sort of a metaphor of stars in the sky to um, God's original promise to, to Abraham. And uh, of course, now Solomon is asking for the fulfillment of the promise that God makes to David. So Solomon's not asking anything that's out of line here. So um, give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people, for who can govern this people of yours, which is so great. So in other words, God, uh, Solomon is asking for wisdom, not for himself, as my study Bible points out, but Wisdom to be able to do a good job. Wisdom to be able to carry out God's plan. Wisdom to be able to judge the people. Verse 11, God answered Solomon, Because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you, and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you and none of you and none after you shall have the like. So Solomon doesn't ask for any possessions or anything great. For himself, and God gives him the wisdom, but also gives him things he beyond what he asked for. So God gives in abundance, and the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stone, um, and he made cedar as plentiful as the sycamore trees. So unbelievable wealth um, going on here. Verse 17, they imported a chariot from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. Likewise, through them, these were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So, apparently Solomon goes into the chariot business and the horse business. 
And I believe McGee made the point that God was saying, don't multiply horses. And apparently, you know, this was not in um, God's plan. And, uh, but he does it maybe a little on the side, maybe, um, rather than looking to God for all the blessings, he's doing all these other things, but, but God allows it, uh, nevertheless, um, you know, it probably wasn't in God's plan, but, um, God is allowing this, uh, it is his sovereign plan. So, um, Verse uh, chapter 2, now Solomon purposed to build a temple for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. Now, I don't know if the royal palace for himself was in God's plan either. But God allowed it. And Solomon assigned 7,000 men to bear burdens and 8,000 to quarry in the hill country and 3,600 to oversee them. So, Solomon looks like he might be using forced labor of the Canaanites living in the land. My study Bible says that's not uncommon for subject people to be constricted, conscripted to such work. In any event, Solomon sent word to Hiram, king of Tyre, as you dealt with David, my father, and sent him cedar to build himself a house to dwell in, so deal with me. Behold, I'm about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God and dedicate it to him for the burning of incense of sweet spices before him <clears throat> and the regular arrangement of the showbread and for burnt offerings morning and evening on the Sabbaths and the new moons and the appointed feasts of the Lord our God as ordained forever for Israel. The house that I am to build will be great. For our God is greater than all gods. McGee makes the point that it's only God that makes things great. So this house is going to be great. Why? Because God's going to be there. And if whatever we are doing, if God's not involved, it's not going to be great. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing wonderful. Uh, look forward to it's exciting we're going through another book here uh, of this book of second chronicles so i look forward to going through this book with you and everyone as well so as always from me to all of you god bless you keep your hearts centered on christ on this great spiritual battlefield and we'll see you next time tomorrow as we continue our study through the book of second chronicles and as always our prayers go up for sweet emma and sweet Jean. Hello. So today we begin our teaching in the book of Second Chronicles, and our study is Second Chronicles, beginning at chapter one, verse one, all the way through to chapter two, verses one through to verse five. So we saw in our last study in the book of First Chronicles that David had made all preparations for the building of the temple. He had gathered all material, got all the manpower, gave encouragement to the leaders of the nation Israel and to the people 
who uh, he actually organized um, the service of the people of the temple um, after it was built and provided all the money and told Solomon to actually get busy. He encouraged Solomon to get busy with um, the topmost priority that's building a temple for the Lord. And um, in Second Chronicles, Solomon will get busy with building the temple. <clears throat> so in the book of Chronicles, we're getting God's point of view and not man's point of view um like we did in first and second samuel and first and second kings we got man's viewpoint but it was inspired um scripture so we got the human viewpoint in first and second samuel and kings and now we're getting the divine viewpoint and the emphasis is on <clears throat> david and david put the emphasis on building the temple of god so in second chronicles two things will become very important first the building of the temple which solomon will do and um, we'll have this in chapters one through to chapter nine so we'll have solomon's reign and six of these chapters are about the building of the temple that's chapters two to chapter seven so god put an emphasis on the building <clears throat> of the temple and that was the greatest accomplishment Solomon did. You know, there's no other accomplishment that, like, you know, compared to David, Solomon, that was his greatest accomplishment. So the second thing um, that is important in this um, book of Second Chronicles uh, is we actually will see the division of the kingdom and we'll see that when a kingdom is divided, the kings, as we have seen before in the books of kings, are not very attractive. So, yeah, there will be the division of the kingdom. And, you know, because God told Solomon because of his um, disobedience and, you know, his disobedience to God, God told him he was going to actually split the kingdom. But it didn't happen in Solomon's time. So the book of kings you know uh and and the book of um <clears throat> yeah in the book of kings we see actually um the two kingdoms that are split and um how the different kings um were and how most of them were um disobedient to god so there was no good king in the northern kingdom and there is no emphasis there and the emphasis is upon the southern kingdom and um david's line but not all are good kings so five of them are outstanding kings that's in the southern kingdom that's um aza uh jehoshaphat jo johash hezekiah and josiah so these five kings were um the means of you know, they brought revival. They were the means that brought back um, revival to the nation. <clears throat> so we will see certain things were, uh, certain kings actually were willing to take orders and not give orders. And God used them in a wonderful way. So let us actually, we are to bow to the will of God. 
you know, and obey God to come close to him. So when we decrease, God actually increases. So it's not by might or power. Um, it's by his spirit. So it's not by brains or bras. It's by his spirit. So we should decrease ourselves in order for Christ to actually increase. So first one, first Chronicles reads, Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord his God was with him and exalted him exceedingly. So here, God is gracious. He's very gracious to Solomon. So Solomon was God's choice. Like we saw, he wasn't David's choice. He was God's choice. So God chose, chooses um, the really weak things, um, the imperfect things, to actually show we're not perfect. Um, so God chooses the weak things of the world, and God will actually use Solomon to build a temple. So the kingdom will come to its zenith under Solomon. And David had put down the foundation for Solomon. So you know, upon someone else's hard work, that's where um, people tend to usually thrive. Like Solomon is thriving on David's hard work. Verse 2 goes on to read, And Solomon spoke to all of Israel, in, to the captains of thousands and, hun and of hundreds, to the judges and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses. So Solomon had a meeting with the leadership of Israel. Verse 3 goes on to read, Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place that was in at Gibeon for the tabernacle of meeting with God. For the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, had made in the wilderness. So the tabernacle was up there. So the ark was in Jerusalem, and it had been actually brought by David, in a tent so they approached here so the approach here is they couldn't actually come directly to god they the way to god was through the tabernacle and there was a brazen altar which speaks of the cross of christ so they had to go there and that's where we all um, have to go so god's prepared to meet you and me at the cross and solomon goes to Gibeon, that's the cross. Um, that's where we meet um, God today. Verse 4 goes on to read, But David had brought up the ark of God from uh, Kerjath-Jarim, Kerjath-Jarim, to the place David had prepared for it, for he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Verse 5, now the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord. Solomon and the assembly sought him there. So here we have the ark of God that came from um Kirjath Jerim, Kirjath Jerim, to the place David had prepared. That's uh, on the threshing floor of um, Onan. That's where the ark was placed. 
And so this is, um, we see here, this is how we actually go to God through the brazen altar. Uh, that's where sacrifices are made. So we don't go through the ark. We don't go immediately to God. So the way of the cross leads home. Verse 6 goes on to read. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of meetings, meeting, sorry, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. So they actually offered in abundance here, like we can see. You know, there was great there was abundance in Solomon's days. Verse seven goes on to read. On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what shall I what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king of this place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established for you have made me the king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude okay so god's made good on his promise here as we can see not only to david but a promise that he made to abraham you know scripture says your offspring will be like the dust and you know number them so god said he didn't want them to actually take any more censuses and this was um you know the, the sin of david that angered the lord verse 10 reads now give me wisdom and knowledge that i may go out and come in before this people for who can judge this great people of yours so here you know where did actually solomon get this idea of actually asking um, the lord for wisdom so god did give credit to solomon um, for what he asked for because it was what was in his heart so if we go back to first chronicles we'll see where solomon got this idea so that's first chronicles 22 12 it reads um, actually let me read from verse 7 and it reads and david said to solomon my son as for me it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God, but the word of the Lord came to me saying, you have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around his name shall be solomon for i will give peace and quietness to israel in this in his days he shall build a house for my name for my name and he shall be my son and i will be his father and i will establish the throne of his kingdom over israel forever now my son may the lord be with you and may you prosper and build the house of the lord your god as he has said to you only may the lord give you wisdom and understanding and give you charge concerning israel that you may keep the law of the lord your god so you know here at least we can see solomon was actually listening to his father's advice <clears throat> he was listening to david verse 11 goes on to read then God said to Solomon, Because 
this was in your heart and you have not taken and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies nor have you asked long life but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom i have made you king so here god said he would actually give solomon wisdom and it was not spiritual wisdom for discernment it was wisdom to actually rule as king that's one thing to take note of verse 15 I'll drop down to verse 15 and it reads also the king made silver and gold as common in jerusalem as stones and he made cedars as abundant as the sycamores which are in the lowland so the sycamore trees actually grow more over there in israel and you know you don't see many cedar trees there but god was going to make them in abundance so silver and gold you know were like stones they were common just as you know the stones there there's so many stones in in in, in that nation like everywhere dropping down to the 17 and it reads they also acquired and imported from egypt a chariot of 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150 thus through their agents they exported them to all the kings of the hittites and the kings of syria so here now solomon is treading on you know in a wrong area where he actually shouldn't be so he was actually told not to multiply horses and he did he multiplied horses and then he also multiplied women, wives. Um, and God, which God actually did not approve, um, but Solomon went ahead and actually did. So now we come to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, we begin here the building of the temple. And we find Solomon was determined to build a house for the name of the Lord and a house for the kingdom. Verse 1 reads, Then Solomon determined to build a temple for the name of the lord and a royal house for himself solomon selected seventy thousand men to bear burdens eighty thousand to quarry stone to quarry sorry stone in the mountains and three thousand three thousand six hundred to oversee them solomon begins the organization to build the temple the blueprint david had given him um is what he's using and this is the part of solomon's reign that actually god emphasizes the building of the temple the house of the lord verse 3 goes on to read then solomon sent to hiram king of tyre saying as you have dealt with david my father and sent him cedars to build himself a house to dwell in so deal with me so here Hiram actually loved David and David loved Hiram and on this basis Solomon actually appeals to him. It's not that, it's, you know, it's not that they actually got on very well like Hiram and David. They didn't. But, you know, on account of that, Hiram was um, willing to actually work with Solomon. Verse 4 goes on to read, Behold, I am building a temple for the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to him, to burn before him sweet incense, <clears throat> for the continual showbread for the burnt offerings morning and evening on the sabbaths on the new moons and on the f set feasts of the lord our god this is 
an ordinance forever to Israel. Verse 5, and the temple which I build will be great for our God is greater than all gods. So God actually makes, um, you know, anything, people, uh, nations, and churches and men great. It's God who does it all. So if you put God first, God will make you great in everything that you do. So God is our creator. He's our maker. So if we always put him first, he's the one who makes great nations. When a southern kingdom, you know, when they glorified God, they excelled and succeeded. And, um, and you know, because God is the one who actually makes man, who actually makes things great, who actually makes nation great if we actually always put God first. So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.